TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Uh, I mean, I haven't had – things are pretty laid out here as far as pitching changes and positional changes. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a little bit quicker. I think the one thing that I've recognized is, you know, a mound visit uh, in between it or a pitching change. I need to get in and out of there. I don't want to take up some time for them to get warm-ups, little things like that. But – so far, it's been about the same. Nothing, nothing uh, egregious that has stood out to me. David Ross, manager of your Cubs. Your Cubs will be heard on this very radio station this afternoon. About an hour after Saturday, suckage ends its suckitude. Zach Zabin, Ron Coomer on the call. Cubs. Preseason baseball, spring training baseball. Talk about the new rules, starting with the pitch clock. That's what everyone – it's a pitch clock and it's a batter clock. It's all of that. It's also an announcer clock because it affects everybody. Let's talk to an announcer. Let's talk to Wayne Randazzo. He joins me on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. At one time, Wayne had sat in – probably against his will and co-hosted part of Saturday Suckage and then finally was freed and paroled and went to do play-by-play for the Mets and it is now doing play-by-play for the Angels. Congratulations, Wayne. Thank you, Steve. You know, I, I just learned all the suck from you and then went out and, and did my own suck. Yeah, well, speaking of sucks, your former team just lost its closer all year. The trumpets, I love the trumpets, I love the song, I love the whole thing, I love Edwin Diaz, I don't love the World Baseball Classic, I think it's a, it's an event that allows for something like that to happen, creates the opportunity for something silly like that to happen, and now the Mets are deprived of the best closer in baseball. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's certainly a blow to the Mets, I mean, it, and a blow to the game. I think Edwin Diaz last season, the way that he dominated uh, became the best closer in baseball and, and then took up the best entrance in baseball. It, was, it really became a scene at, at City Field when he would enter games with the with Timmy Trumpet playing and, and all that. And, and I think people were really looking forward to having those moments again this year with a good Mets team, a team that's kind of a World Series or bust type team. So it's unfortunate for the Mets. And, you know, the best case scenario, they have them in late September. Maybe he makes some Schwarber-style comeback for the very end of the season and uh, and can help the Mets out when they really would need him the most at that point. But, you know, as far as the World Baseball Classic, listen, the players love it. This, was their, this is their baby. They've signed off on this. They want this. They want to keep doing it. They love playing in it. 
you've heard many of the guys say it's the best experience they've ever had on a baseball field. Mike Trout said it. Uh, Randy Rosarena said it last night. Uh, all, a lot of the guys have said it. So the World Baseball Classic isn't going anywhere. These guys want to play for their countries. Uh, the teams really can't stop them outside of certain scenarios. And, you know, it's it's here to stay. Yeah, I know they love it. I remember talking to a lot of hockey players about the Olympics, and I said it's it's crazy. You're, and I remember we had Brent set uh, Brent Seabrook on, and he was going. He was on the Team Canada roster, and Patrick Kane was on Team USA roster. Together on the Blackhawks, they're trying to win a Stanley Cup, and this is February, and it's going to be in Vancouver. And I said, Brent, if you catch Patrick Kane in the corner, would you would you rub the shoulder into him? Would you crunch him? Would you separate his shoulder? Would you deliver? And he paused. He said, "Well, yeah, we got to win." <laughs> no, but what about the Hawks? I mean, it, and and we're talking hockey in Canada. I understand all that. And when you're talking baseball, the way they celebrate baseball in all of the all of the scenes we've seen in the the Latin countries is it's wonderful. It's such a celebration. I understand that, but they're not paying the bills. That's my biggest gripe against it. Edwin Diaz's country is not paying the bills. The Mets are paying him a bunch of salary, and now they're getting nothing out of it. Well, again, they're getting insurance money out of it, I oh, guess, okay. uh, at this point. So they're they're covered at least as far as that goes. I, you know, I, I don't know. Steve Cohen's worth seventeen billion dollars. I'm not too worried about him <laughs> uh, paying Edwin Diaz to to sit on the shelf this year. It just you feel for Edwin, you feel for the team because that team is is going to win a lot of games this year, and, and then they'll need Edwin, uh, or at least they'll wish they had him at some points this season. So it, it, and Edwin Diaz was was really putting together. Uh, a great career for himself, and you hope that's not derailed by this injury. You hope he can come back and he can pick up where he left off. But uh, I, I think the pride that these players have for for this, and I think the way the game is celebrated, I think the good outweighs the bad uh, overall with this tournament. And uh, you know, it's every four years, or at least that was the plan. It's been six years since the last one, so I don't think it's it's too much of a disturbance. And I think it really ultimately helps the game grow especially in, in Latin America and Japan and, and Great Britain now has uh, got to field a team again for 2026. And, you know, we saw Mike Piazza lead the Italian team. And it, it, it's good, I think, all around, all throughout the sport and, and, and make it a little bit more of a global event. Piazza's bringing the stash back. Are you how, are you working on your Piazza stash? Mm. Well, now that they lost, I could shave it. But it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it was a good idea, and I think uh, Italy went a little further than people thought. Yeah, well, they got hockey beers, playoff beers in hockey. They have the the Italy stash, the Piazza stash in baseball. And they, That's they, right. Wayne Randazzo is my guest, local guy. He was a former score broadcaster and did the Mets, and now he's doing the Angels, doing play-by-play of the Angels. And I wondered, going into break, how long before you run out of superlatives for Shohei Otani? I might be out already. I haven't even gotten to opening day. I mean, this guy is just so spectacular. You know, being around spring training a little bit, what what I saw from Shohei and, and from the fans and their reactions to Shohei really just reminded me of Michael Jordan in, in his in his prime. I mean, that's that's what it looks like to me when you when you look around the Angel Spring Training facility and almost and this is a team that has Mike Trout. And it's not that's not a Jordan Pippen scenario either. That's like Michael Jordan and, and Magic Johnson playing together on the same team. And you, you you know Trout's there and he's been there and he's won three MVPs and all that. 
and everybody's got a Shohei Otani jersey, and everybody is clamoring to see Shohei. And they're awed and dazzled by the, the batting practice display and the long home runs that he hits. And then on top of that, he's their best pitcher. It's absurd. And it, it really, the hype and the, the, the potential for his fame just reminds me of just from growing up in Chicago about, or about being around Michael Jordan. So you're calling baseball games under new rules, a pitch clock or the batter clock, however you want to look at it. It's been an adjustment. The Athletic did a really good story, a really good survey story, talked to a lot of broadcasters, including you, about adjustments, the feeling, broadcasting a game. What's changed for you? Well, the biggest change for me is that I'm, I've gone from doing mostly radio to mostly TV, so there's, there's going to be a transition there. Anyway, I, I did a little bit of radio earlier this spring, and it's quicker. I mean, the, the tempo is, is, is faster. You have to get ready for the next pitch at a much quicker pace. I think radio is the bigger adjustment. Now, TV, you're kind of laid back and, and just kind of casually watching the game anyway. I, I found it to be not that intrusive on TV. Um, you know, it, you, you notice after four or five innings that you're further along than you used to be after an hour or an hour and 15 minutes. And you say, wow, it's fifth inning. It's only an hour and five minutes into this game. That that sneaks up on you, I think, more than it is intrusive to what you're doing as an announcer. Uh, I think the biggest things are just the changes in terms of the disengagements and what what a pick what a pitcher has to be able to pick off a base runner because you're going to have to pay attention to that. Uh, if a pitcher's thrown over once or, or then twice, well now now it's chaos time and you have to be ready for that. You know, runners can kind of do what they want after that second pickoff attempt. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. I, I think just to be ready for a violation, you don't want to get behind because a violation was called and you didn't notice it. You know, I think that's going to happen to some some announcers where a violation happens and when they thought the count was two and one, suddenly it's two and two and the guy strikes out and they, they weren't ready to call a strikeout. So I think you just got to be a little bit more uh, on the edge of your seat and on top of things. But, you know, I don't think ultimately that it's going to be this horrible change for the broadcasting industry. I, I think it's going to be a refreshing change for everybody involved. And, and, you know, guys will be a little bit crisper and talk less about their dogs or whatever they want to eat for a snack or all, all that stuff. No, teams are still going to suck. You're still going to be talking about people's dogs. <laughs> uh, you're still going to have filler. You're still going to be doing all that. Reaching right. into you are still going. The second inning, it's, hey, this day in baseball history, you'll be reaching into that. But you made a comment in the in the – Athletic article, and I knew that it came from both TV and radio, your experience, and especially radio. And you made the comment that Vin did it for years. Vin was the only guy in the booth. It was Vin Scully. And the only games that used to be televised, Dodger games, Doyer games, the Doyers were in San Francisco. Those are the only games you got on TV where Vinny would do it. Vinny would do TV three innings, and then Jerry Doggett would come do it, and Vinny would close out the three innings on TV, and they'd swap on radio. Now, Mm -hmm. Vin did it. By himself. And my thought when you mentioned that was, and you've done radio, so imagine doing less radio, they're going to figure, teams are going to figure out they can save a, an, an analyst salary on radio because there won't be time to make the most of him. And broadcaster, play-by-play broadcasters like yourself, if you go back to radio, would have to become more well-versed and become storytellers the way Vin was. What do you think of that possibility? 
Uh, so it's an interesting point. Uh, you know, I hope it, just for the sake of, of our industry that that doesn't happen because uh, I think, you know, there's always companies uh, trying to find ways to do things with less people. And I think that the people around our sport make it uh, what it is and being able to hear the stories, you know, you're going to, Ron Coomer is going to be on the score in a couple hours doing the Cubs game today. And, and Coomer's experience as a big league player, as a Chicagoland native, I mean, it all plays into the broadcast in, in, in a way that, you know, makes it more fun and entertaining. Not that Pat couldn't handle a broadcast by himself. He absolutely could. But having that byplay and to go back and forth, I think, is what makes the broadcasts entertaining. For the most part, Vin was a different kind of cat. He could do it all himself. You knew you were going to get a roughly two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour game, and Vin knew how to weave his stories around the play-by-play. Uh, I think that there are some announcers out there who could do it. You could you could listen to John Miller do a game by himself for two-and-a-half hours and, and not even blink at it. He He would be wonderful at it. Um, I think Howie in, in New York would be the same way. But I, I do think that it's still a lot. It's a long season. It's it's a lot to ask of an announcer to do that every single game for that many number of games. And as these guys get older, you know, they don't want to travel as much. Charlie Steiner was trying to do games from his living room even as recent as last season. So, you know, they to have a different storyteller come in and, and carry that load – um, I think would be a lot to ask, and you'd, you'd ruin some of the consistency. So I think the analysts in the booth provide that consistency and that secondary voice in the booth. And uh, the, the games aren't going to go flying by. I mean, if, if you can, if you need an analyst on the radio, uh, if 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 Bill Wennington is sitting there with the Swirsk and, and doing the Bulls games, which are quicker, faster paced, then then absolutely, I think you would still need an analyst on baseball. Yeah, I I could see them I could see them cutting salaries, like you said, doing doing the same work with fewer people, and we increase profits. And this was a sport where we saw a lot of uh, several baseball clubs were not traveling their announcers; they were making them work from their living room the way Charlie Steiner still wants to. And you you're always looking for ways; they're looking for ways to cut costs. And I I they're they're running a business, but I see that as a possibility, and that. That broadcast, I, you know, the Syracuses of the world, you teach people to be very well-rounded. Vin, Vin mastered that. Vin could, as Rick Monday said, Vin could start a story with two strikes and two outs in an inning, and they were not being allowed third strike until he finished the story. <laughs> <laughs> and it always yeah. seemed to be that way, but you're right. As you said, he weaved a story in around the game. It's and he's like, okay, 0-2 to Mays. And here's the Titanic hitting the iceberg. People are falling <laughs> off the side, and Mays fouls it off. And, and he could do that. But I don't know why guys who I, – I think it could happen on radio. I think TV it necessarily needs to be there. You're working TV now, and I meant to – I don't want to miss this question. Where are you guys – what have you guys done – with the pitch clock bug, if you've used one, or how have you presented that? Yeah, initially they wanted to put it within the little space that's underneath, or that's kind of at the pitcher's mound on the bases graphic. When they show you who's on base, they wanted to stick it in the middle of that. And oh. I think they found that was going to be too small. Um, so they've just kind of put it in like a shot clock, uh, you know, kind of toward the end. I think they, they start running it at 10 seconds. They put it in. And so the final 10 seconds leading up to the pitch um, is, is what they want to capture there. I think they're still playing with it. I think one of the big things is going to be replays. 
you know, if somebody hits a huge home run in a big spot late in the game, you know, we, all, all the tinkering that's been done so far has been done in meaningless games in spring training. You know, there's no big plays. There's no big home runs. Nothing really is happening. They're just getting going through the motions until the season starts. But once the season starts, you're going to want to see replays, and you're going to want to see uh, some things that, that might – overplay now with with the actual game happening so uh, it'll be interesting to see how different broadcasts run their replays or or run their breaks or run some of the sideline reporters stuff too like uh, what are the sideline reporters going to do with with the action happening so quickly and the potential for it to be a, a very quick inning or something big to happen a little bit more quickly than before you know, before you could, you could have a sideline reporter talk through four or five pitches and nothing would really happen. Uh, but now that four or five pitch span is going to be 10 or 12 pitches. And it's going to make make the certainty that something's going to happen while the sideline reporter is talking. So there's a lot of mechanisms once the real games start that I think that the TV broadcasts still need to work out. Wayne Randazzo, broadcaster for the Angels, former Chicago guy. Did the Mets, now does the Angels, doing Angels baseball TV, and that's what we're talking about here on the score. So what have you guys done about replays? What have you have you have you assumed, let's say, a home run would be a big deal? Have you sort of practiced how are we gonna get this replay in before the shot clock resumes, the pitch clock yeah. resumes? Yeah, I think what the the biggest thing they're tinkering with, at least on our end, is just having kind of a, a split screen where you see the the replay on, on one half and you see the actual game. Uh, still happening on the other half. It's hard to practice it because there's there's no monumental moment. You know, there's no there's no need to follow the player. You know, a lot of times you'll see uh, the camera follow the player because he's done something special. And in these sp- spring training games, nothing special happens. So it's 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 not really something that you need to do. And I think it might even look a little silly if you tried to do it. So it's tough to practice that kind of stuff within the regular season or within spring training before the regular season starts. And, you know, a lot of times it's a skeleton crew during spring training anyway, or the producer only works a handful of games because they're, they don't want to get logged up with spring training games. And and then you're tired by the time the season starts. Um, So, you know, a lot of the regular crew is in and out anyway for spring training. So I, I think once the regular season gets going, it's going to be a, a little bit of a, a trial by fire just to get in there and, and see what works in the big moments and what, what replays look like and, and how they're mixed in. Wayne Randazzo is my guest. Does TV, base calling TV game, the Angel Games on TV? And last question, I always believe rules are that meant to be gamed, and every other team does that too. Some spectacularly, like the Astros, game them in a, in a championship way. So... With the pitch clock, it starts when the pitcher gets the ball. So I don't know. I believe teams have have plans. I don't know if a catcher could just stand there and hold the ball. First baseman could hold the ball after a a if if your pitcher throws with all of his might and the Michael Kopech kind of pitcher needs to to just gin it up again and could use some extra time. Catcher holds the ball. First baseman holds the ball. Then you could gain him some extra seconds. I don't know if that's gaming it, if teams have shown that. And the other thing is dealing with the, the shift, the, the limits on the shift. How many times does it say the left left fielder come in to play second base, second base moves over to deep right field, and there's a guy to put one into the left field. Have you seen any of that playing and any of that gaming, those rules so far in spring training? 
Yeah, there's been a little bit of the shifting uh, we've seen. I think Joy Gallo ran into it, and a couple others have so far, where they have moved that left fielder over to play in that hole uh, in shallow right field that we saw plugged up previously by the third baseman. So uh, I think we'll still see that, although you're giving up a lot more. Uh, you're giving up that entire left field side, and you know could really give up a double or a triple more easily that way. So uh, I don't know if teams will do that as much but i think with certain hitters you know you'll you'll still see it which which is fine i i think it's a little bit of a way around it and um but i don't think it's going to become popular the way that the shift the regular shift did over the last five seasons uh you know as far as the catcher holding the ball a lot of this and you know, I've, I've read some managers say that they'd like a little bit more uniformity because a lot of it is the umpire's discretion really all of it is the umpire's discretion if the if the pitch clock goes to zero the umpire doesn't really have to call anything. He could just let it play out. Um, same thing if a batter isn't ready to go at eight seconds. The the, the umpire doesn't have to say anything. He he can just let the clock continue um, and, and really not enforce it in that moment. So I think what you're seeing in spring training is some umpires are enforcing things by the book and some aren't. And uh, as far as what little games you can play within that i think you can kind of learn which umpires are really on top of it and which aren't and and work around it that way as well you know if a catcher decides he wants to hold the ball or an infielder wants to hold the ball i think they'll give him a few seconds but at some point i think the umpire then would step in and say you know let's let's get a move on here or start the clock and and penalize a team that way uh, before the pitcher even has the ball because they don't really have to wait they can they can start the clock whenever they want and uh, i think the umpires who you know, for all the talk there's been about umpires getting less responsibility, they've got a whole lot more now. And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of umpires retire at the end of last season. There's a whole bunch of them. I think about 10 veteran umpires that retired at the end of last season. So the newer umpires should be used to this. They've, they've had a pitch clock in the minor leagues, and, and they know what's what. Um, so you just hope that the umpires are able to handle the further responsibility they've been given uh, for, a, for a group that's kind of been lamented about needing to have less responsibility. Great. More rules, more Angel Hernandez. I cannot wait. <laughs> Wayne, I really appreciate the time. Thanks. Thanks for coming on today. Good luck this you season. You got it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Wayne Randazzo, broadcaster for the Angels. Chicago guy. Loca guy. And he did the Mets on radio, is doing the Angels on TV, and he joined me on the score. We'll take a break. We can come back. Pre-game speeches. Farley Dickinson's coach gave a pre-game speech. We'll hear that. And then that just another excuse to play the best pre-game speech we've ever heard. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. Thanks for tagging along. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Coach, on Wednesday, we heard you say in the locker room, the more I watch Purdue, the more I think I can beat this, we can beat this team. What did you see on tape? Well, I mean, I just trust our guys. I have faith in our guys. And his face got overblown, you know. We just have faith in what we do, and our guys are so tough and so competitive, you know. I'll do a better job in this locker room speech than last, but I'll be a little more competitive. It was the right message, maybe the wrong audience. But listen, I love our guys. They're tough. They're gritty. They're, they play their tails off. That's an unbelievable win. I mean, we just did something that was something. That's unbelievable. We just shocked the world, and, and uh, couldn't happen to a better bunch of guys, a better bunch of fans, but family, the whole thing. So we are <laughs> ecstatic. Unbelievable. We're going to stay in Columbus. I love it. Yeah, the human double shot. Tobin Anderson, he's a coach of Farley Dickinson. Being interviewed on TNT after the, the Knights of Farley Dickinson pulled off the greatest upset in college basketball history. I say that because of a lot of reasons. First of all, Farley Dickinson shouldn't have been there. Farley Dickinson did not win its conference. Farley Dickinson lost to Merrimack. Farley Dickinson did not win... The tournament, Merrimack did that too, beating Farley Dickinson by one. But here's the thing. There's an NCAA rule. Farley Dickinson got to go because Merrimack is transitioning to a D1 school and has to wait four years. Can't show up. Can't get to play in the big game. No, you don't get to horn in our money. The money's going here. So Farley Dickinson, a second-place team, not an at-large qualifier, automatic qualifier, nothing. You just not an automatic qualifier. You go play in the playing game. And they did, and they won. And here's your here's your gift. Your your reward is you're going to play number one seed in the in the bracket Purdue. And the 16 seed, they went four and 22 last year. Upset number one seed at Purdue. I guess there's an asterisk because Matt Painter is the chokingest coach in college basketball history. It would seem. He's lost to an 11 seed, a 12 seed, a 13 seed, a 15 seed, and a 16 seed. He needs only a 10 and 14 to fill out his all double digit choking bingo card. That seriously is like unbelievable to me. Like, how have you lost to that many double digit seeds in the tournament? As a, as a higher seed, too, like top five seed almost every single season. Well, Tyler, maybe that's because those are the only double digit seeds he's played. Maybe if he gets a chance to play against other ones, he won't. So. <clears throat> Farley Dickinson wins that game and and defies it broke every bracket. I saw several different outlets in Canada and the United States saying that's it, no more perfect brackets. I Means like CBS Sports and I think the Sporting Network up there. And I don't know about ESPN. I did not see if they tweeted out that there was that's it, no more perfect brackets because of Farley Dickinson. So you heard him reference this can of energy named Tobin Anderson who coached 
coaches Farley Dickinson. The you heard him reference the pregame speech, and you heard him talk about uh, too much being made of it. Well, it can't be. Here's what he said before the game against Purdue. The more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat them. Yes, yes, Let's go shock the world. Let's go. I want Purdue to see this. Again, he knows it's going to be on tape. He knows it's going to be just like Bob Costas in 1988 before the World Series talking about the Dodgers putting together the weakest lineup in World Series history. And Tommy Lasorda saw it, and he used that as motivation, and what happened a couple hours later was Kirk Gibson, a legendary home run. Tobin Anderson said, we'll play this again because it goes fast because everything with Tobin Anderson goes fast, the coach of Farley Dickinson. Here's Tobin Anderson. You going to play that again, Tyler? This sucks. I will get that for you. That does suck. Yeah. Welcome to Saturday Suckage, Tyler Farringol. Hey, look, I pronounced your last name. Aren't you happy I did it at a moment when you sucked? Yes, I'm very happy about that. Can we play Tobin Anderson again, or don't we have that available somehow? Yes, we can. The more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat them. Yes, yes, Let's go shock the world. Let's go. Yeah, shock the world. So that's what they did. That was his pregame speech. The more I watched Purdue would end, what did Purdue do? Well, they came out and they avoided Jaden Ivey in the last six minutes of the game, and they missed almost every three-point shot they took. So the players, the coach, the everybody at Purdue gets to take their mechanical pencils and go away for the postseason. So that's an interesting <clears throat> pregame speech. They, they get done in a lot of ways, pregame speeches. And we never miss a chance here on Saturday Suckage to play what I think is the greatest pregame speech ever. And it's Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks from the movie Miracle. And here's that. I'm sucking even more. I don't have that ready. We've planned this for two hours, Tyler. I know. Tyler, we planned that for two hours. We, I said, I really want to compare pregame speeches. I want a chance, any excuse to play Herb Brooks to play Kurt Russell's speech as Herb Brooks before the game against the Soviets in 1980, the greatest upset in sports history, not to minimize what Farley Dickinson did, but it wasn't the greatest upset in sports history. The 1980 U.S. Olympic team, the Miracle on Ice, that was the greatest upset in sports history. And I thought, hey, we got Tobin Anderson. The more he sees Purdue, the more he thinks we got a chance to beat him. And he was right. And then there's Herb Brooks. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down 
because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Okay, that's sort of the hockey version of the more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat them. Pre-game speeches, motivational speeches come in all forms. Um, Herb Brooks, Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks, was certainly more cinematic than Tobin Anderson, but you cannot take your eyes or ears off Tobin Anderson, the coach of Farley Dickinson, and he'll get to live for another day. It's going to be all Tobin Anderson weekend and Farley Dickinson. And of all the things that were said, all things you experience, your bracket getting busted, but for the greatest of reasons, the most fun when you see something like this happen, when a 16 seed beats a one seed, a 16 seed, the first 16 seed that had to win a play-in game to become a 16 seed did that, which makes this the greatest upset in college basketball history. And all of this happening, everything you saw on social media, everybody making the per-don't jokes or the per-do-do jokes and, and talking about Mac. Matt Painter, the choking is coach of all time, and everybody talking about how much fun Farley Dickens is having and Tobin Anderson and, and going a million miles a minute. And you find out that the greatest moment in Farley Dickinson sports history, the school's on spring break. There's nothing going on on campus. Uh, Except watching their team make history. Celebrates. All right. We, uh, we'll take a break. we come back. There are other tournament games going on. A chance to make some money. Ryan Horvitt, BetMGM Tonight, will be here to talk about those games. 773 Texture. I know you've had O'Callaghan on. How accurate is a miracle speech? And I'll tell you this. Jack said he and four other teammates from that group were asked to write down the producers asked them to write down what they recall about the speech and they all recalled virtually the same thing and the same things were that speech what you heard Kurt Russell deliver as Herb Brooks that was it so have I been I know it's suckage time but it's pronounced fairly Dickinson okay 224 thank you fairly taken as Saturday suckage Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Feet. A little surprised at pulling it out like this from now. Four, straight away three. Let's go! Dagger three. Fairla Dickinson. See, the texter, 224 texter. Jesus, Steve, I know it's suckage time, but it's pronounced Fairly Dickinson. Well... 
No, I'm wrong, and you're wrong, Texter. According to Forvo, it's Fair Law Dickinson. F A I R hyphen L U H Dickinson. We can agree on Dickinson. Fair Law Dickinson. That's the way it's said. That was the three. Part of the upset 16 beating a one, a 16, the first 16. It had to get to be a 16 by winning a play-in game. College basketball, it's it's March Madness, and that's <clears throat> what's going on, what went on yesterday, what went on Thursday, it's going on today, and tomorrow, and there are investment opportunities. That's why we're going to go back to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Welcome back to the show, BetMGM Tonight host, Ryan Horvitt. Ryan, how you doing? Doing great. Doing really good. Uh, man, that was something last night. I had the, the thing about Purdue, so I thought they were a very fraudulent number one seed um, all season long. You know, they were number one in the nation for a couple weeks. Zach Eady was the best player in college basketball because nobody could stop him. He's seven foot four. But their guard play was awful, as we saw in the Big Ten tournament. They end up winning the Big Ten championship, but they nearly lost to Penn State. They almost blew a uh, double-digit lead with like a minute and a half to go. They had an 11-point lead. And they couldn't break a press. And that's what they struggled with all season long was guard play. I don't think they had a guard on their team that was above a three-star. So people are crushing Matt Painter, probably rightfully so. He just doesn't have success ever in the tournament. But that team, that was a very fraudulent number one seed. And then the same thing with Virginia. You know, as a four seed, they lost to Furman, who right now is just getting absolutely destroyed by San Diego State. uh, Which is kind of surprising because the Mountain West has done awful in these last couple tournaments. So, you, you never really know what's going to happen this time of the year. It gets crazier every year. Do you, you know, you bring up Virginia and we we're talking about Purdue and do you ever bring up, do you ever factor into your analysis of where to invest your money? The history, Virginia has got a really ugly history. Virginia, Virginia lost to the first 16 seed. They lost to UMBC in 2018. And now here's Purdue loses. Matt Painter loses to every double digit seed he can find. Do you ever factor that in a school's history, or is it simply I can only look at this coach, these players, this one game? No, I do. Like with the school history, especially if it's been the same coach there, you know, for a decade or a decade plus. Like Michigan State, Tom Izzo. I feel like it's the same story every single year. Like the last five years, it's always well, this isn't the most talented team he's had at Michigan State. Yet there they are, the Sweet Sixteen, the Elite Eight. It's a team I just trust and a program I trust in March. Virginia is usually a team I stay away from. Now, after you know becoming the first one seed ever to lose to a 16, they do go on the next year and win the national title. I don't think that's going to be the case for Purdue. <laughs> I also think, you know, and, and I feel like it's more embarrassing, I guess, for Virginia because not only did they get beat in that game, but they also got blown out by 20-plus points. But it's also equally as embarrassing for Purdue when you think about it because uh, that was a play-in team, you know, a 16 seed that was a play-in team. And, man, they had no business losing that game. But uh, that is something that I look at. Same thing, Matt Painter just doesn't have the success, Purdue. And he's been there forever, you know, since Robbie Hummel and that squad. So that is something that I usually look at. You know, there's just certain teams, certain programs I trust in March. It's unfortunate that uh, Jay Wright left Villanova. I think he's great in the broadcast booth. But he was always a really good bet. Him, Izzo. And now all of a sudden, even though Coach K has gone, you know, John Shires came in for Duke. And they've been on an absolute tear when they've been fully healthy this year. They're 18 and one now. Uh, their guard play is really good. So there's just certain programs that I do trust, and then certain that I try to stay away from. 
Duke's going to play Tennessee. Duke's a five seed. Tennessee's a four seed. I don't know if seeds matter to you. Again, you're looking at you're looking at the teams and Duke on a tear. Duke's actually doing doing his own version of Tom Izzoing there, right? We we can suck early, but we will get it rolling when we need it. That's the way his best teams have played. So handicap Duke Tennessee. That game tips off at two forty. Yeah, you know, in Duke the last two months of the season, they've been really good defensively. Uh, their guards have been much better. I really like Roach. And I feel like they're a little less hateable just because, I mean, Coach K, especially the last couple of years that he was there, he was just such a crab ass. Same thing with Bayheim. I'm glad to see him go, too, because they'd be undressing student reporters every other year, like yelling at these poor 17-, 18-year-old kids for just asking questions. It's good to see those guys go. But John Shire, he's done a really good job. So they win the ACC championship last week. They've just been on a ridiculous tear. They're playing really good defensively. Um, the shot making the last couple of weeks has been incredible. The only thing is the ACC really down this year. Perfect example, North Carolina was the number one team going into the season. They don't even make the NCAA tournament. Then they declined the NIT invitation. Just really down a down year for the conference. Um, so with, with this game today, I do think Duke wins, but I kind of like Tennessee with the points. It was three and a half. It's down to three right now. I think Tennessee will be able to keep this game close. They struggle, though. Like, at times, they'll go three, four minutes without a bucket, and that's the frustrating thing if you do bet Tennessee in this game. They barely – they didn't cover against uh, Louisiana. They only won that game by two. They were really in control for the majority of the game, but offensively, they just really struggle, and, and they go on these lulls. But still, they're really good defensively. The SEC, a really tough conference this year. They have the best team, I think, in Alabama. So I think Tennessee keeps this game close. The play that I really like is the under. Uh, it opened at 128.5. It's all the way down to 126.5. Again, two really good defensive teams. I like the under. I like the first half under in this game. I think it'll be a low-scoring rock fight. John Shire, Glenbrook's very own. They love themselves some John Shire, and he's he's winning there the way he won before. So the Ryan Horvitt, by the way, is my guest. Bet MGM tonight. He's the host. That's why we're we're talking hoops here and what you might or might not bet. Local interest. You got at seven forty tonight. I'm sorry, the Duke North. I was looking at Eastern times. I should have translated them to Central. So the Duke Tennessee games at one forty. At seven forty tonight, Northwestern. Seventh seed against UCLA. Dope that for me. Yeah, so UCLA, even though they're in the Pac-12, and let's be honest, like the Pac-12, the West Coast, a little soft. They don't play a whole lot of defense. UCLA does play defense. Now, we just watched Arizona get beat by Princeton, which I did not expect. But UCLA, I thought, was the better team all season long. The problem is they lost their best defender. Uh, They lose Jalen Clark, who was actually the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. He also averages double figures, so he scores. Averages almost three steals a game, and now he's out for the season. But still, they really haven't skipped a beat. They lost last week in the title game against Arizona, but they blew a big lead. They probably should have actually won that game. Northwestern, I mean, the second time they're here, Chris Collins has done a great job. I just... They opened at eight, and they're actually down to seven and a half. I was actually surprised to see Northwestern take a little bit of money. If I'm betting this game, I have to take UCLA. They're just they're the more talented team. Northwestern's great defensively, especially in the backcourt. So I think they could keep it close for a half. If I was going to bet them, maybe I would take the four and a half, five points in the first half. I just think ultimately the talent wins out. UCLA is at least they're at least an elite eight team, even with the injuries they're dealing with right now. 
Ryan Horvath of BetMGM tonight is my guest. Last question before I let you go, Ryan. Uh, did, did With the games finishing last night, knowing that matchups would be made for Sunday, is there any early money you jumped on you couldn't wait to get money on for um, Sunday games? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually like TCU to keep it close against Gonzaga. They're five-point dogs right now. It opened up at four and a half. So I like the five, obviously, much better. Gonzaga, just you know, not as good as they've been the last couple of years. Drew Timmy's still there, but last year they had Chet Holmgren. They still couldn't win the national title. They're not great defensively. I think TCU's going to keep that game close. They might even be on upset alert, Gonzaga, tomorrow. Um, I like Florida Atlantic. The problem is they're 14.5-point favorites. I had them against Memphis. They're just a really good team. And then actually coming up a little bit later on today, a lot of people have been confused why the spread's been so small. It's went up a little bit. I like Arkansas. Uh, Four-point dogs against Kansas. The problem with them, four of their last five games in the regular season, they blew these double-digit leads. They have a really hard time closing teams out. I think they're going to keep this game close. I think that that's a good matchup against Kansas. So I grabbed the four with them today. All righty, Ryan. It's great talking with you. Thank you very much for making time today on this 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 busy this busy points weekend, this busy betting line weekend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. That is Ryan Horvitt, BetMGM Tonight host. He's um, guys knows what he's talking about, so we bring him to you as often as we can. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back. We have Wake and Bake Club news. Um, a Wake and Bake Club. You know, Wake and Bake Club Hall of Famer weighs in on a, a bit of a, a piece of surprising news. So we'll do that next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.